The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. Welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio, a special show today focused on entrepreneurs who've made appearances on the really incredible, culturally changing show, Shark Tank. We've got our own expert on with us today as well, co-hosting Matt Damon. Always good to have you. You were on the show, Shark Tank. That's right, Jeff. I was there. You were there. And now you're moving up. Now you're on Startup Nation Radio. See how that happens? Always great to be with you, Jeff. (laughs) Hey, it's great to have you on, Matt. You're a lifelong entrepreneur as well. Your family's in your roots, in your DNA. Your family's had a business. You know, you grew up in that business. Tell us a little bit about your background. That's right. I grew up in Metro Detroit, as you know, in a a family hardware business. So we had the entrepreneurial, uh, you know, family-owned thing in in my blood. And then over the years, I worked for some big companies, but also, uh, you know, the way we met, invented a children's toy that my wife and I took from our driveway into uh, national mass retail. And then now I'm running a a small turnaround business that's the same thing. I love that story, by the way. I think the way you've told it before on Startup Nation Radio, you were either raking the lawn or doing something, being, being a good boy, being a good dad and a good husband. All of a sudden your wife says, hey, I've got an idea. That's right. That's always a dangerous moment. That's right. She uh, she zip tied a piece of chalk to a stick. Yeah, because the um, kids were doing chalk on the. Yep. Was that right? And, and they wanted her to do it with them. That's right. So, and yeah. she she physically couldn't get on the ground. Right. So she zip tied chalk to a stick and was walking around with it. And then it was the name she came up with, Walkie Chalk. That lit it and, up. And uh, you know, literally eighteen months later, we had it in uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, it's an amazing story. I mean, there it is, right there. The American dream. It's the way it happens. An idea. Hey, Matt, I got it an all, idea. But it all sounds uh, so easy it, it, right now. It does. <laughs> I know. Looking back on it, and it, there's a million things that, that go between that moment of yep. epiphany and getting it onto those store shelves and getting That's it right. to sell through. It's an incredibly arduous and challenging and also thrilling and exhilarating experience for sure. It is. So, Matt, we've got a couple of guests we're going to have on the show today who've been on Shark Tank, and uh, we're going to feature their stories. We're going to kick it off with our first guest. Salam Agbatar, we've got you on the show with us today. You've been on Shark Tank with uh, the Mad Rabbit Tattoo, right? Welcome. Yeah, very recently. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So first, tell us about the product. What in the world is a Mad Rabbit Tattoo? Yeah, so Mad Rabbit Tattoo is basically, it's tattoo aftercare. So our main product is the tattoo balm, which is meant to help keep your tattoos vibrant, make them last longer and bring out the color of the ink in your skin. So my buddy and I started this our senior semester, second semester senior year in college, where he came to me with the idea of selling tattoo cream. And originally I had said no, because I didn't know much about the industry, but then he had a couple of tattoos that he wasn't really taking care of. And I had many questions going in. I was like, so how are we gonna market this? Because we're not sure who we're gonna target. And also like, how do we know which ingredients to put in the formula? And if, and if we figured that out, where we ordered the ingredients from? So luckily his mother had years of apothecary experience. So she helped us pick the initial first seven ingredients, which we still use today. But then obviously it's been tweaked over time from feedback we've gotten from customers. So once we figured that out, we had to figure out where we wanted to order ingredients from. So we'd order from bulk apothecary on the internet or Amazon Prime, depending on how quickly uh-huh. we did stuff. And then right away we went, uh, we started cooking from his college apartment. Yeah, um, we'd love skip, that. We'd skip, right? Yeah, we'd skip a couple of days of classes. Of course you would. Cook. <laughs> priorities, then, priorities, man. Priorities, yeah. yeah. Priorities, yeah. yeah. And then we'd also, it got to a point where like we were getting so many orders in during the school semester that we had to have his two neighbors, Grace and Lenny, come up and just like help us package these orders and send them out. And during that time, like the USPS on campus kind of got annoyed with us because the volume of packages <laughs> we were bringing in every single week, they never got that. that. Yeah, and that's a good sign. 
It is, it is. And then there was a point where they were like, okay, you guys need to take it an hour away to Cincinnati and have them some that were like, no, like this is what you guys are supposed to be doing. We're not driving longer to please you guys. So they kind of disliked us for that, but in the same time, like ended up working out for us, which is good. So let's pause there. It goes from there to ultimately you guys getting onto Shark Tank. Matt, it's a great story. I mean, you know. It's fantastic. I mean, to start in your dorm room, I mean, it's right. a classic dorm room startup, right? right. And, and before you knew it, the uh, post office is mad at you for shipping so many boxes. So <laughs> you're on the right path at that point. That's you a know? good sign. Um, yep. At that point, Salam, how are you guys financing this? Was this just kind of out of pocket? You're able to buy some materials to start or the, the ingredients? and So Oliver and I, before Mad Rabbit, before selling Tattoo Aftercare, we were dropshipping swimsuits off the internet. So if you know what dropshipping is, oh, basically yeah. you find a supplier and then you pay for their product after the customer pays and you ship it to them. So we were doing that the second half of our junior year and then during the summer during our internships. And then we ended up selling that business for small, modest, five-figure profit before our senior year started. So we took some of the money from that, about three or six hundred dollars each, and then we put that into initially funding Mad Rabbit. And it was nice because initially we were making money right off the bat. So we just kept reinvesting all that money back into the business through advertising and also ordering ingredients off the internet. Amazing. Now look, Matt. First of all, entrepreneurship is messy. You said, how are you funding it? You could ask a million questions about how did you do this? How did you do that? How did you do that? Here you hear the swimsuit drop shipping story. You know, nothing necessarily makes perfect sense. You didn't write it out on a piece of paper that way. There's no, no game plan to follow, no right, Matt? Li- no, no, no straight, straight line. Right. But those that get through it, yeah. those are the great stories. The resourcefulness of entrepreneurs, that's what it's all about, yeah. right? You've been and, there. And right off the bat, it, he's on to his second business, right? So you start one thing, you don't know which way you're going to pivot. And, and before you know it, you got a successful business. It may not be where you started. Exactly. But there's something about that entrepreneur's intuition and entrepreneur instinct, entrepreneur drive and ambition that leads you to, you know, makes you find a way. And they went Connect and did the it, dots. And right? they went and did, they did it. Right. We always talk Beautiful. about that from the, the idea, the dreamer to the doer. You know, and you hear so many people in life say, I don't know, I can't do this, I can't do that, I don't know if I can do it. Then there are guys like Salam, and by the way, his partner Oliver Zach was also part of this uh, whole deal, is part of the deal. Those guys, you know, clearly were on a mission. And you know, you know that through your experience with Walkie Chalk, I knew that I brought a product to market to launch my career, uh, called the Battery Buddy, prevents dead batteries in cars and boats. And boy, was I resourceful. You know, nothing necessarily made sense looking back on it. It's a colorful story, but it worked. And yours did too. And that's the beautiful thing. Well, Salam, when we come back, we want to hear how it goes from this to getting onto Shark Tank and what that was like and whether or not you got a deal is what we really want to know and where it all goes from here. On Startup Nation Radio, coming back after this break. Coming back on Startup Nation Radio, co-hosted by the one and only Matt, the Matt Damon. (laughs) <laughs> Our Matt Damon, right here in the Detroit region. That's uh, right, Jeff. It's great the, to be the here. The famous Matt Damon. Matt, you know, uh, we mentioned as we were going out of the break, we've each had experience with things like this, you know, finding a way, finding a way, finding the answers, you know, pioneering every day, making it up as you go along, flying by the seat of your pants, whatever it may be and all the above. It's an amazing journey, right? It is. It is. And you give folks like Salam so much oh. credit and Oliver. You know, they had an idea. They saw an opportunity. Then they went. They executed. And they, I'm sure they made a million mistakes and then corrected those mistakes and changed. And you just, the, the whole goal is keep moving forward. Yeah. And as you pointed out, Matt, there have been a couple of businesses that Salam has done. And Right, Salam? Yeah. I also just want to interrupt. I had one right before the- Oh, um, of the course you did. There was more. <laughs> right. There's more. And then, yeah, speaking about mistakes, obviously, like 
throughout that entire process, there were mistakes that we had to, I had to learn from and we had to learn from. So that first one, like anyone else, just a t-shirt company, putting random quotes in a t-shirt and reselling them. And obviously there, it was my first initial mistakes with Facebook advertising because I wasn't sure what I was doing. So like I had mis made mistakes like paying people to teach me or paying people for courses on the internet. So like you make mistakes like that and you grow from that. And then once I launched Mad Rabbit with Oliver, we decided, all right, we're not paying people for a resource. We're just gonna like find on the internet because everything is free on Google and YouTube. Just so you have to find the exact correct keywords to look uh, look up. So it's, I guess every business that we've created together has been a journey in terms of just like growing that's, in the e-commerce space. That's great. And you know, we, we spend so much time, you know, Jeff, on the radio shows, we talk about all the successes. Yeah, You know, we're one of the few countries in the world that only celebrates success like that. Really, yeah. with entrepreneurs, you want to hear, I want to hear the three or four things that failed and why. Worse. That's what you learn from. And then when you have adversity in the in the successful business, you know how to deal with it. Yeah. If a guy starts one deal and it goes to the moon, Ooh, congrats. That's, but that's dangerous. But something's yeah. going to hit him at some point. Exactly. No, it sets you up for, you know, you, you think it's too easy. You think you've got it all. I mean, Everything man, works. Just yeah. when you think you got it all figured out, something comes out of left field. You've got to be really, really prepared. It's like a quarterback in the pocket with guys coming at you right and left. you you got to make really uh, – critical judgments. And I think those failures you're talking about, Matt, help shape the way you think about and approach challenges and get over them and search for answers. And yep. it's amazing. So Salam, after three, by the way, can I ask how old you are? I am currently 24. Yeah. So a seasoned entrepreneur, three businesses already in the tank. Speaking of the tank, this one led you, this one being mad rabbit tattoo with your partner, Oliver Zach, led you to pitching on Shark Tank. First, tell us how that happened. So it was late 2019 it was around uh november or december during that time i was working my corporate job and we had like a four-week winter break where we could go home and i was like in bed just like bored one night scrolling through instagram and i saw a shark tank ad and i was like why not just like shoot my shot went through the application had a pretty decent amount of questions on there so i just basically i gave basic answers on to every single question not expecting it to go anywhere and then I got a random phone call in April on the way back to my apartment. And I thought it was a prank because the week <laughs> before we had pranked Oliver oh. saying that Post Malone's manager wanted to talk to him. And he got super excited and we ended up breaking his heart. <laughs> so I thought this was I thought this was his idea of getting back at us. Uh -huh. But then I was into the message and I was like, wow, this sounds legit. I saved the message and texted it to Oliver. I was like, no, this was not me. This is actually legit. You should call them back. So I called him back and it was a guy and he started talking about how he was, I think, one of the casting directors for Shark Tank. And he saw application, looked at, looked into us and like we had a really interesting project and he would love for us to audition for the show and start filling out paperwork. So from there, between April and us filming in September, it was just months of paperwork. And then over and over, we had to just keep doing multiple iterations of our pitches until it was good enough to be I'm ready to go on to the show. That's one of the things, Salam, that I think people don't understand. And one of the, you know, a little bit behind the scenes on Shark Tank is the amount of time they, they put into uh, forcing you to get that pitch down, that first kind of mm. call it 30 seconds, right? And I don't want to jump ahead here, but after that 30 seconds, it's all you. Right, right. right. So wait, what you're saying is so they, they get you kind of packaged in that first 30 seconds. So you come out and you deliver that kind of canned presentation, the pitch, yep. right? Yep. But then after that, guns start firing. You don't know what's going to happen. It's all organic. It's live. Yeah. I mean, I mean, live in the sense of, you, you know, it's not scripted. Yeah. So, so Salam, you, you guys taped in September. So you, you got out 
You got out to LA, you got the Sony Studios, you're in the back lot. It actually, it wasn't in LA this time. Oh, it, it wasn't? Was in, okay. It was in Vegas because of COVID. So mm, interesting. they put us in the Venetian. And before we could go, we had to pass two COVID tests before we could even get on the flight. And then you get to the hotel, you go through like a back entrance up to your hotel. And there's like two floors just for the entrepreneurs. And like, you can't leave your hotel room because if you leave, obviously mm. you get set home. Oh, you're just putting everyone else at risk. So while we're in the hotel room, we got room service three times a day. We couldn't leave our hotel rooms. Oliver and I were in different um, hotel rooms also. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, so it was only human contact was that room service three times a day. So, you know, the, um, the venture of going out and getting on Shark Tank and taping and, you know, walking into the tank is, is stressful enough. And then here you are in these, let's <laughs> just say, unique circumstances of being almost sequestered in a hotel room. I don't know, guys. Look, being stuck in the Venetian with room service three <laughs> times a day without anybody bothering me for two weeks sounds pretty damn good to me right about now. <laughs> right, I'll take oh it. Oh, my God, I'll take it. Um, all right, so you get on the show, you, you finally get there, you're going to make your pitch, and first of all, are you nervous at this point? I thought that, like, I had all the confidence in the world <laughs> until we walked and just, like, stood in yeah. front of the sharks. Yeah, yeah. And there's just, like, before everyone starts talking, you have to, like, stand on the, like, there's, like, an invisible X, and you're supposed to stare, like, look in front of you, but I thought you're supposed to stare at the shark in front of you. So for me, it was like a, it was a 30 second stare down with Mr. Mr. Wonderful. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. the, and he would not. That, that's would not disturbing enough. Contact. Yeah, Staring they, at Mr. Wonderful. They clearly, and they, they enjoy that. I think oh, everybody God. walks out there, they just stare at you. Yeah. <sighs> I think, I think I looked against him some respect from him because I didn't break eye contact and he didn't. It was just like a back and forth. Wow. It's funny because in the end, he ended up giving the first offer. So I think that was maybe like a pivotal part in that, um, yeah. in that pitch. So we want to hear what happens. So you get the offer from Mr. Wonderful and the offers what? First of all, tell us what you guys are asking for. Um, so we went in there asking for half a mil for 5%. So that was a $10 million valuation. Yeah. Obviously, like, my rabbit's grown a lot since then, but that's what we asked for, and we were scared Did, did you, you know what Mr. Wonderful asked right then, I'll bet, and I didn't see the segment, but uh, do you have any sales? Yeah, yeah, so we did have sales. So the way we, I guess, teed it up was pretty nice. So they asked, so how, many, how much have you done in sales? And we said they're in a K, and they just, like, all, were all freaking out, saying that's not worth the $10 million valuation. So Oliver said they're in a kit, and I followed up and saying, said that, oh, that was in the past month. And we've actually done 1.7 mil year to date, and the year before we did 400K. Wow. And they just like all erupted, and just like there was a point where Mark Cuban was like bowing down. And like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, we definitely, we've definitely got them. Um, That's great. But it was nice because like a lot of our rehearsing wasn't only the pitch, but then it was also just like figuring out what questions they would ask and making sure we had the right answers right and they part the part they get most entrepreneurs is them asking about like how they came up with the valuation and asking them to back yeah. it up yeah yeah and luckily oliver and i were finance majors in college so we knew exactly mm -hmm. like what would fire back at them to make sure like we weren't um too much taken advantage of okay so salam you got an offer out of mr wonderful and the offer was what it was the half a mil for five percent and then i think a well, half a mil has a debt deal. Yes, a debt deal. 5% equity. <laughs> yeah, that's and classic. And I think it was 9.5% in equity. Um, no, oh. no, it was 5% oh. equity and 9.5% oh, oh, interest. interest rate. Interest rate. Yeah, okay, interest. got it. Yeah. Got it. Huh. He's a shark. 
They don't call him sharks for nothing. Yeah, he's a shark. You took the deal then with Cuban. Here's what we're going to do. Wait, I want to hear about the deal. But you know what? we got to go to a break. This is a perfect opportunity to run to a break. If you want to hear what that deal was, come back after this break on Startup Nation Radio. We're going to hear who made the offer to Salam, what the deal was, and how it all turned out right here on Startup Nation Radio. All right, back on Startup Nation Radio, hearing an amazing story, the story of Mad Rabbit Tattoo, 24-year-old young entrepreneur, seasoned, gray-haired, Agbatur on his third business, this one with his partner, Oliver Zach, Mad Rabbit Tattoo, ends up on Shark Tank, pitches, gets an offer from Mr. Wonderful, but then what happens? Matt, you were going to ask about uh, the deal. Yeah, Salam, you know, interestingly enough, when I was in the tank, I got an offer from Kevin O'Leary right away, too, so... I don't know. We're probably two of the few guys that got that, but congrats <laughs> to you. So, so the question is, so, so Mr. Wonderful offers, what happens then? What were the other offers you got? And then how did you make the decision on the fly? Well, Barbara spoke up and Barbara didn't want to invest because she was confused as to why we didn't have sun protection in the tattoo balm. And we said we were releasing another product. In other words, IP, a, intellectual like, property, maybe a patent or something, right? No, she just wanted two benefits in one product. And we just said, no, we're just releasing a second whole product. So that, that way we can have an extra product in the product line. But then she also did congratulate us for our success so far. And then Damon also didn't invest. Lori didn't invest because she didn't think her offer would be as good as Cuban's. And Cuban's offer was the half a mil for 12%. So right on the fly, you guys are finance majors. He just cuts your valuation by over 50%. Yeah, so yeah, to 4.2 million. And, and when you went in, what valuation or what type of deal in your head were you saying, hey, we would take this? When we went in, we knew that we always knew that we wanted Mark Cuban because of his connection yeah. to the NBA. Yeah. And the majority of the players in the NBA have tattoos. So like it would be a great way to showcase our brand on a lot of those NBA players. So we knew that no matter what, be Mark Cuban, but then also it had to make sense in terms of the deal. And we knew that we wouldn't want to go over 15%. So if he had said anything over 15%, we'd have had to walk away. But luckily he said 3% below that and we ended up staying and taking the deal. Dang, you're the only guy that's walked away getting three percent better out of Mark Cuban than he, <laughs> he than than he thought he'd had to go. So that's that's great. I love that. So you took the deal. How did it go? You got the money and tell us how, you know, it all wrapped up and then where you go from here. Where we go from here is we are still trying our best to be the household naming tattoo aftercare. But through that, we want to make sure we can build a strong community around tattoos because everyone has tattoos. Everyone, obviously, each of those tattoos have stories behind them. Just have to ask the right questions to get that person to share it. So we want to make people comfortable with sharing the stories on their skin and that's through them putting product on their tattoos so that way it stands out for people to want to talk about it. And also want to be the leading source of education in tattoos because there's so many different ways or I guess things going around about how to take care of your tattoos from different tattoo artists. We want to try to make sure there's one set instruction manual for how to take care of your tattoos so that way it heals properly and you can showcase what you spent thousands of dollars on and also several hours of pain getting. So that's our main focus right now is building that community and also becoming the leading education source for tattoo aftercare. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, it's a strong market and you guys are young. You're passionate about the market. You're in it because presumably you guys are into tattoos, right? So it's authentic. Yes. Since the pitch, I think Oliver got two or three more tattoos after the pitch and I got one after the pitch. 
So I'm still due for more, but we're still <laughs> working on it. Of course. People didn't think we had tattoos, but then everyone's just like surprised. Oh, they do have yeah. tattoos. That's a great thing about this product, right? People, that they get a tattoo, they start buying the product, they get more tattoos, they're going to continue to use it. Right. And it sounds like it's more than just a, a single application when you get the tattoo. It's a ongoing, uh, you know, keeps your skin in good shape. And yeah, that's wonderful. It's good. Salam. Listen, uh, like one question before we let you go, has Mark Cuban, um, you know, part of the thing about getting an angel on board and in particular a shark with connections, like you said, you want a Mark Cuban cause you want a connection to the NBA. Have you gotten his time and attention, uh, beyond his money? Yes, we have. He's a really extremely, uh, nice and really helpful guy to talk to and work with. He's very responsive. Not many people know this, but like he responds to his own emails and responds very quickly. And whatever you need, he's going to try to find who to help you. Or if he can't find someone to help you, help you on his own. So he's been really good working with so far. That's amazing. I mean, that's really what it's all about right there. Yeah. Beautiful story. Beautiful endorsement for Shark Tank. And you guys are just exemplary entrepreneurs. I love hearing your story and uh, really, really am uh, hoping for your success. Salam, thanks so much for coming on Startup Nation Radio and sharing your story with us. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, great story, Matt. From one great story to another, let's not waste a second here to get to our next great guest on the show. We've got another Shark Tank winning story, amazing story. This is a great product, actually, Matt. You and I were talking about this. We really think this is a hot deal all the way around. Joe Altieri, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Your product is Flex Screen. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Hey, it's great to have you on. Joe, quickly to tee it up, tell us what the product is. We are the first and only flexible window screen. So if your listeners have had problems with window screens, we are the solution. So. And, and everybody has, whether it's kids putting their hands, right, or yep, a pet yep. or whatever it may be. That's kind of the idea, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, easy to take in and out, doesn't get damaged as easy. I've been in the window industry for a long time, and this is kind of the holy grail of window screens. Again, for those like three people that are really, really interested in, in window screens, they're going <laughs> to geek out over yeah. this product. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, you know, and you may not have an interest in it, but we've all dealt with the problem. It's certainly a Absolutely. need. There's got to be an amazing market for this. Matt, you and I were talking about that. I mean, this is one of those things where, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. I mean, like, right. how, how did this not exist right. years ago? Right. You know, anybody who's had a dog scratch their screen or a little kid push, or, or they just get worn out and you, you have to take them out, lug them. You have to find yeah. a place to get them repaired, take them to the hardware store. Total pain. So Joe, what's your background and how'd you come up with the product? I've been in the window industry for about 20 years and I was a, an independent sales rep. I was selling pieces and parts to window manufacturers. And one of the lines that I carried, one of the products that I sold to these window manufacturers was window screens. Most window screens actually are not produced by the window manufacturers. They're produced by really large window screen companies. And I was an independent rep for one of those. And the problems that my customers were having with window screens were astronomical. I mean, it's, it's around 5% of the screens that get produced in the United States have to be repaired. And these are brand new. This isn't like these have been out in the field for 10 years, you know, and, and somebody has a problem with them. These are brand new screens. 5% have to be repaired or replaced before the homeowner's happy. I mean, it's millions and millions and millions of dollars of problem in our industry. So this was just literally, it was that, that American dream. I'm like, something has right. to be better than this. Yeah. And, and so I just started messing around in my garage, it, you know, just an evening and weekend hobby. You know, my wife lost her parking spot in the garage for about two years. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and she would and, say that's the best thing that ever happened to her, right? Losing her parking um, spot. 
Because you you create you created a business that I now know has got to be you know one of the most exciting things uh, looking forward in your future. Got to be an amazing situation to be in. It is. It's fantastic. And and we're six years into production. About eight years since I came out of my garage with what I call my bubble gum and duct tape prototype. Yeah. You know, that yeah. rough thing that it works, but it's ugly. You know that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean through the ups and downs of it, it has been a really exciting. Um, not many people get to do this. You know, not many people get to start something in their garage and turn it into a multi million dollar business. Right. So I feel terribly fortunate. I mean, it's, it's just incredible what has happened. Did you go full time and jump in with all fours or did you kind of ease your way into this kind of thing? And people always wonder, you've got a great idea. You're going to move your wife, your wife loses her parking spot in the garage. <laughs> you clear the space. I'm going to dedicate myself to this. I'm going to make this happen. This is a great opportunity. But then did you leave your job? How did you support yourself? since I was already in the industry that I invented something in, that made it a little bit easier. You know, I didn't have to, I didn't invent something that was going on a space shuttle and had no idea how to, to right, you know, get right. it into the proper hands. Right. So, you know, as I was showing it off, you know, I, I had filed for some patents and had NDA signed with the people in our industry. But as I was showing it off, people were just going nuts for it. And finally, I had a company make me an offer. And they wanted to produce equipment to make this and things like that. And I had a, a family friend. He owns some IP and has, uh, you know, owns multiple businesses. And I just reached out to him and said, look, I have, I have this opportunity in front of me. And I'm not really sure what to do. Do you have an hour that you can spend some time with me? And that hour actually turned into about five hours as we were kind of going through all of the data and, and you know, helping him to understand the opportunity. And he said, can you give me the weekend to think about this? And let's meet up again on Monday or Tuesday of the following week. So then in the following week, he said, if I were you, there's too much opportunity here. I would start a business and figure out a way to make this. And if you're interested, I have some people that have invested me in the, in the past, and I'd like to introduce you to them, and we might be able to help you get started. So it was just that knowing the right person and being humbled enough to go and say, I don't know what to do. I need some help here. And it just turned into this great opportunity. Those were my initial investors. And so, um, it, like I said, it was just a lot of fortunate events have, sure. have led me to this place. And then it led you ultimately to making a decision to go into Shark Tank. Why for you? What was that? Were you looking for money primarily or was it the exposure, all the above, the, you know, the guidance from the, the sharks that they could provide, the connections they could provide? What was driving you to go into Shark Tank? They reached out to us. That was the first thing, you know, that happens every once in a while where they'll actually reach out to a company and ask them to come on the show. But when the opportunity presented itself and I had a chance to sit down with, with my partners, um, it was just too much exposure. It was too, you know, getting a deal with the sharks, all that stuff. Uh, we didn't need the money. You know, we're, we're, it, was, it was more of the exposure, working with one of the sharks. It was just too irresistible to pass up. Uh, sure. There's a tremendous amount of risk going on Shark Tank. You know, so you have to think about that. Like, man, I could go on there and ruin my company. I could look like a fool right, or whatever the right, case right, may right. be. Yeah, because after and all, that show's about entertainment first, and they'll use you in it ways that— It is a TV that, yes, show first. It's a TV show 100%, first. That's right. 100%. That's right. Yep. That is a big risk. That's a good point you made. Listen, we want to hear how it all played out when we come back after this break on Startup Nation Radio. All right, back on Startup Nation Radio. This is a show focused on, I don't know, really boy, the entrepreneurs who made their way to Shark Tank. Puts a shiver in my spine just even saying it, you know, that the idea of getting out there, getting in front of the sharks. Joe Altieri, who's with us right now, just made an amazing point. It's really important for entrepreneurs to know that's a TV show first. That is a big, there's risk that goes with getting on that show. Could kill your brand, but 
Not Joe's, that's for sure. Matt Damon, you're on. You were on the. You were on the show. Well, hey Jeff, there, there's saying. also yeah. a way to look at this and say, hey, any PR is good PR. You know, you get your brand in front of eight million people, even if you fall on your face, you're going to get more exposure than you could almost anywhere else. Unless, that- unless Mr. Wonderful pulls out the old "you're dead meat to me," right? Is that what he says? <laughs> hey, what does he, he say? Still, you're a contract, right? Uh, we know folks that have been on and oh. been, been like that, and their businesses take off. But anyway, yeah. Joe, this is exciting. So Jeff, this is our second guest today. One started in a dorm room and the other started yes. in a garage. Yes. You, you have picked classic entrepreneurs right. here, right? Right, no, it's amazing. Um, Joe, what you said on the previous segment about Shark Tank reaching out to you, that is a little different. There's, you know, obviously tens of thousands of people who probably stand in line and send emails and would dream of getting on the show. I myself was on the show. We got in in our own way. Uh, we kind of knew a producer and kind of cut through the line, which was great. But maybe walk us through, so they reach out to you. It's an obvious no-brainer in terms of exposure if you can get on the show and you don't fall on your face, which, you know, you certainly wouldn't. But walk us through the process then as best you can of, okay, so you're working on the pitch, you're working with a producer, and then when did you tape and, and kind of take us through the story. Sure. Well, I mean, the first step was truly realizing that it wasn't a joke that one of my friends were pulling on me. So that was that was the <laughs> that was, first. Thing. That's so funny. <laughs> that's the last guy. The, the, exactly. The, the other entrepreneur we just interviewed said the same thing. Is this a joke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Um, you know, again, when you get that phone call and then that follow up email, and you're like, "Is this real? Like, is this Sony Pictures really reaching out to us to go on the show?" But then, you know, that you know, to go through, I mean, they they immediately present you with a contract, which uh, again, you you know, if you were on the show, I mean, it's like sixty pages, and there's no negotiation. I mean, it's like, you, there's no, you can't change a, a, a period. You can't cross a T like there's nothing. Yep. You know, we put it in front of our attorneys and they're like, there's a lot of things that you might not agree to, but you'll sign this anyway, because right. it's Shark Tank. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? so, um, there was nothing dangerous in that. You know what I mean? But, but again, is there's just things that, you know, when they put that microphone on you, they own the footage. I mean, you there's no timeouts. There's no, whoops, I didn't mean to say that. And they also have artistic license with the TV show. You know, it's not, they don't do anything dishonest at all, but, you know, they ramp up the drama because that's what makes great TV. And you don't get final look. You know, I, I saw the episode at the same time the rest of the world did. Wow. So, you know, even though we got a deal and everything was great, you know, you're like, oh my goodness, you know, how are they going to portray me? And, you know, I can only imagine that night you sat down to watch the show and, and to see your episode for the first time. That's got to be nerve-wracking because you're you literally, you're putting your brand, your image, your reputation in their hands. Like you say, they have creative license. And they do. And, and we did a big blowout. You know, we rented a, a local movie theater. We had like the Pittsburgh drum line in that, that plays fun. all the Steeler games. Like wow. we, just had a, we had a blast. But again, I'm, I'm sitting there with 300 of my quote unquote closest friends and family, you know, that, that type of thing. You know, everybody that I knew was was there. And you're like, oh, my goodness, like I could look really foolish here. I mean, luckily, they you know, I, I did a halfway decent job. But, you know, they filmed for a long time. You know, I was expecting, you know, they, they gave us an expectation of 20 to 40 minutes. And because our business was a little bit bigger, you know, the year before we filmed at Shark Tank, we did $5 million. We were on track to do about $10 million the, the, the year that we filmed, um, which was 2019. There was more unsexy stuff to talk about there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like all the numbers and, and things like that. So I, I was in there for two and a half hours. Wow. You have no oh, that... idea what you say over two and a half hours like, you yeah. know, when you come out of that. so No, Joe, that's, um, I think that's what a lot of people don't really understand. I was in there for over an hour and a half, so you, you mm-hmm. blew me away. But there's an entire discussion that goes on about the business that most of that information, it is the boring stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you source it and how are you making it? That doesn't make good reality TV, so it doesn't make the clip. But you're actually in there pitching your entire business. It's like the right. whole business. But, and then trying to manage all the cross chatter between them, which I'm sure you, you know, you probably did a great job of that. But take us through what did you ask for and then who did you get offers from? Take us through that. 
Yeah, so we were going in at a roughly a $13 million valuation. We we're asking for $800,000. And Mr. Wonderful kind of pulled out the first deal and he um, made an offer and, and he was going to bring us down a, a licensing path with large window manufacturers. And then Barbara jumped in and said, you know what, most of our business is selling to the window manufacturers. We had just started an e-commerce site. Um, we did about a million dollars online, but that was a, a small portion of our overall business. And she said, you know what, I'm interested in your retail side, not your OEM or, or wholesale side. So you keep that over there. Let's start a new retail company and I'll fund it. I'll give you $400,000 cash and then another $400,000 in credit. And then Lori jumped in, made an offer, and then they were kind of going back and forth. And then we ended up going with Lori with that same deal that Barbara had proposed. So for just the retail side of our business. So let me ask you this. It's, I look at the product and I, I think home hardware all day long, mm -hmm. right? And I could be completely wrong, but what drew you to Lori then, you know, knowing she's QVC, Bed Bath & Beyond, I know she says in your episode, she said she had some hardware contacts. Where were you guys at with, call it your growth plan in terms of who you were approaching, Depot, Lowe's, and what were you looking for in a shark to kind of accelerate that? For us, we're really good marketers within our industry. You know, we do a lot of digital marketing. That's how Shark Tank found us and things like that. But, you know, we didn't have the the exposure. You know, we didn't have the squatty potty, the scrub daddy type of exposure. And, and it's not in my wheelhouse to do that. So when we went in, I mean, quite frankly, Lori was the person that we thought we, we would have the best opportunity with to get into homeowners, you know, to get to market direct to homeowners. And so... You know, we had already talked to Home Depot and Lowe's and, and things like that. And we were starting to kind of go down a path with them. But then, of course, you know, once we partnered up with Lori, Shark Tank, all that stuff, it, it just skyrocketed. I mean, it, it you know, we're going to be in all of the Home Depots um, by the summer. You know, you know, already get it on HomeDepot.com, you know, stuff like that. So you got the deal with Lori. Your segment aired a year ago, a little over a year ago. Joe, has it played out the way you hoped it would? What's different from what you hoped and what has been, you know, really amazing that you want to highlight? You know, one of the things that I was concerned about was, you know, one of the Sharks teams coming in and taking over or forcing things down your throat and things like that. And it hasn't been that way, at least with Lori and her team. You know, I've, I've you know, I'm, I'm now part of that Shark Tank community, you know, people that have been on the show. And, and yep. so we talk to each other and, and there's online groups and there's meetups and stuff like that. It's almost like foxhole brothers. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we've been through the war together. Right. So, so now right. we, but what they have become is, you know, uh, great um, advisors, which is exactly what we needed. You know, they helped us secure a deal with St. Cobain, which is a huge global 500 company that, that owns a lot of building hardware products that are already in Lowe's and Home Depot. And, you know, partnered with them so that they're actually using their expertise in those big boxes. So I don't have to bring that in myself. You know, dealing with those big boxes is it's an industry in and of itself, as I'm sure you guys know. Yep, yep. So, you know, rather than bring that expertise in, we partnered with somebody that has that. And, and again, Lori was was part of that. You know, we just did a, um, a little revisit segment that, that aired a few weeks ago. So you can kind of see just from that segment, you know, we, we tripled our growth. You know, we went from 5 million up to 15 million, you know, and, and we're growing, growing, growing. And again, not that it's all because of Shark Tank or all because of Lori, sure, but sure. she certainly, you know, they, they certainly helped us fast forward. They pro we probably skipped two or three years of growth just by being on Shark Tank and, and partnering with her and her team. Well, amazing. Let me ask you this, Joe, the exposure on Shark Tank itself, once the segment aired, did you see that huge spike in interest and in sales and all the rest that everyone hopes for? 
We did. Unfortunately for us, you know, screen season is spring, summer, mm. fall. Both of our segments were in winter. Uh-huh. But, you know, we can see the traffic on our website and stuff like that. And it is incredible. I mean, it really is. I mean, the, the amount of hits that our, our website got. You know, and luckily for us, we had a partner like Lori because a lot of companies aren't prepared and their websites shut down. Yeah. You know, even when they're doing repeats and stuff like that, every time it repeats, the company's website isn't prepared for it and it, and it shuts down. You know, she prepared us for that. She's like, hey, look, you have to be able to, to handle this volume and, and things like that. So, well, um, Joe, it's a great story. We really appreciate you sharing it with us here on Startup Nation Radio. My hope is that your wife has her spot back and that she's got a brand new fancy car in it from all your hard work, too, <laughs> buddy. I hope it's going great, Joe. You sound like you're really on top of your game, and it's really exciting. Would you recommend other entrepreneurs go on to Shark Tank if they get the shot? Absolutely, but be prepared. Do your homework, practice, don't get caught. Don't get caught by Mr. Wonderful. Know your numbers. Right on. Okay, great. Matt yep. Damon, thanks for co-hosting today's Joe, show. Congr- Joe, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you yeah, thanks for being on. Appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another segment of Startup Nation Radio. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.